0: It's three drug dealers that uh, become quite big, greedy, selfish. That were blown away in a Range Rover for their, I say, for their greed and bullying. But we never know the true story who killed them. Craig, with me, and he wanted to do in there, but there was a already a person with pills, which we know is on mark. So there was no chance. But hills in those days was a a lovely club, always busy. And the rave game in there was quite good. So he knew you could make money. So he was told by a bar lady behind the bar that the person who had all these clubs was a bloke called Tony Tucker. So he searched everywhere and he found out where Tony used to train in the gym. Joined the gym, I mean it was about six or eight months, introduced himself and they become like brothers. He didn't think I was the grass and the informer We'd have probably got on still, will Tony kept out of the way? He wasn't so paranoid with the pills and the money. I don't know, but we had a great life up until he was about 18 19. And he changed.
1: And now that you've come out on social media saying these things, are people supporting you?
0: I've got a lot of support, I've got 198,000 subscribers already.
1: Alright, so many of you watched the interview we did with the ex-cops on the Essex Boys case, and a lot of the viewers requested that we go further down that road and get more guests on. Well, we're honored to have Brian on, whose brother Craig sadly was one of the deceased in the Essex Boys case. So we're gonna hear an account firsthand from a family member. And brian has not really told his story he's been watching things develop over the years he wants to set the record straight on certain things and we're going to go over those things but i know many of you especially overseas in america perhaps are not familiar with the essex Boys case so we'll just go over some of the basics first before we get into brian's insight into what happened with his brother craig and firstly huge thank you for coming on man and sharing the story
0: no problem at all. It's about time someone came out and spoke up for them.
1: What is the Essex Boys case? Just the basics then for the viewers first.
0: It's three drug dealers that uh, become quite big, greedy, selfish. That were blown away in a Range Rover for their, I say, for their greed and bullying. But we never know the true story who killed them.
1: So there's a lot of mystery around who did it. There's a lot of movies. There's a lot of books. I think Rise of the Foot Soldier was one of them. Um, what, what do you think of the portrayal in Rise of the Foot Soldier?
0: Uh, lies. How's that one for you? I know for a fact that the person who come up with the film, he fell out with Tony months and months before they were taken out over uh, keep trying to borrow money, wanting favours. He gets to a stage where people get fed up and they got to a stage where they're getting so paranoid in life and that with their selves, they didn't trust anyone at all.
1: And how did Craig fall in with these guys?
0: Right. Craig was a lovely little kid in his days. He went to boarding school, went to proper school. He got a career as a tire fitter. And the way he got involved because of me, I took him out clubbing when the... He seen, started the raves and everything. And he had one, one night with my friend called Mark Murray. He found it fascinating. He enjoyed himself so much on it. And then he realised that you could buy him for £8 and sell him for £20. So his career in the building trade gave up, and that's how he started, buying and selling.
1: So what was this, late 1980s when I got uh, carried away in the rave scene, uh, the summer love, all that stuff?
0: I think we all did. It, you go back then with the raves. There was no trouble. Everyone was relaxed, enjoying. You could bump into someone, and they say, "Okay, mate, shoot your animal off Nowadays, you go club a few pints, you end up punching someone. is it, Those days were the good. I know that the E's would, were class A drugs, and no one liked them, but the youngsters did, and they calmed. The atmosphere was fantastic.
1: Yeah, the hooliganism went down. And everyone was just loved up and dancing and hugging and sweating all night long, basically.
0: Yeah, for hours, yeah. Yeah. And there was good money to be made by the the organisers, the dealers. But people paid it because they, that was the way they liked it. They liked the company, the music. God, oh, that was a thing and a half those days for them. And everybody might say, people dressed up weird, they sweated, they cuddled each other. There was never a bad atmosphere I've ever seen in my life. Alright, so for the purpose of
1: this interview then, Brian, we're going to use words white, brown and green for certain substances. We're not going to say their actual names. Yeah, so right. if you can if you, if you, if you try and remember that, uh, but we can edit anything out if you, if you don't. Alright, so w- growing up then,
0: where were you guys born? Uh, Bowser and Essex.
1: Yeah, I've done talks out there actually at schools. And what was it like for you growing up?
0: Uh, hard. We lost our dad when we were five. Craig was born in prison. Like most kids, when they wake up in the morning, they first open their eyes, they like to see a little rattle and a thing above their cot. He looked up and see some bar windows and officer so there waving chains, a set of keys. So, wasn't a very good start for the lad. Uh, we moved oh. from uh, where our dad was killed to long riding. and we moved from long riding to the Pizzi estate, which uh, moved a lot of Londoners there. It, was, it wasn't a bad estate.
1: Oh my goodness, so you've been through major things at a young age. Are you okay to talk about the circumstances that happened to your dad there?
0: Yeah, no problem at all.
1: So what did happen? What why what, what situation was it?
0: Well, I was five, my sister was six, Michael was three, I think, and Craig wasn't born. Uh my mum had an affair, it happens. But in most life, people get divorced, but I don't mean, think they got they're there, that word in those days. So her, her lover, John Kennedy, decided the only way out was to get rid of Brian to have his love life with Lorraine and he murdered him with a Skittle one night, backed his skull in. Uh dumped his body on the motorway hoping it like a robbery. My dad used to have his own market stalls. So he was always guaranteed back in those days to have four or five hundred pounds a lot of money. Hell of a lot of money. We had a lovely big house, everything, and we had it taken away through someone's stupidity, my mother's. So it... we got sorry, we got put in care. My brother went to nan and granddad. I got put in care with relatives. Mum come out. She had a new fellow. didn't work out. He didn't like the kids. So we had to, a few beatings. Uh, there's a lot of things in the book that I'd love to lead to the book about that. Uh I went to boarding school in Dorchester. And Craig went to another boarding school in Clacton. So we got shipped out by social services. That was through because we were begging all the time and scrounging money and going outside chip shop every night asking for chip bits and really fish bits that come. So we got on people's nerves.
1: So is that what your mum was convicted of of some kind of conspiracy? And then is that why Craig was born in prison?
0: Yes, yeah, I think she was uh, conspiracy for harbouring, for lying. I, I think that's what the words were, you know. We was only young, but I remember once, and this is the truth, no matter what age you are, you remember things. Always something in your mind plays. Now, I remember I heard a noise outside. Like sounded like a ladder going up the window. So, being a boy like mine woke me up. So, I went to the bedroom door opened the bedroom door and there was a man standing there and I know for a fact it wasn't my dad and he turned around and said go back to bed little boy at the age of five you don't understand but I swear and I swear on my son's life anything I remember that bloke standing at my bedroom door
1: God, that must haunt you to this day does it
0: uh, you never forget you know you keep asking questions why. Would we be in this situation we're in now? Well, I'm in a good situation now. I've settled down and met a lovely wife, child, and a brilliant job. But would we have had that life we had, stealing, robbing, hurting people, if we had a proper parent behind us? No. It's no excuse, and I'm not making an excuse out there. That a lot of people have got single parents, and they live good lives. But we was encouraged. Actually, but we was encouraged to Nick. My mum used to say to me in the morning at the age of 9, 10, go get some milk up next door's front door they had a milkman and you go and nick it and then you get to that stage it's easy to nick and that's how it went
1: so what's the age difference between you and craig four years four years and when that happened five, to your dad
0: five, five, five years five oh, years oh, oh. didn't
1: And when that happened to your dad how old were you
0: i was five
1: so how did you find out i mean what how was it? who told you
0: my dad was killed we wasn't told. That's the thing. I went to boarding school. It was all kept us It's like dad passed away for an illness. That's what we all thought. I went to boarding school in Dorchester, all boys school for, I wouldn't say disturbed kids. It was for kids that needed that education more. It was from like right great lads there. And I had a headmaster that was a very, very dodgy man that liked little boys sort of thing. Mm. He told me the true story. Uh, about me, Dad. That's the only one I learned. So I spent six years at boarding school without ever going home and to see my mum. My mum ever not coming to see him at sports day, open days, that sort of thing. So when it comes to term breakup, I was always put with some families. So that system with him went on to the family. So I always got that situation where I was hurt, sort of thing.
1: What was your first awareness then that Craig existed?
0: Uh, when I left boarding school, oh no, no, when I first knew Craig existed it was long riding when we we he come and lived there with me. But I was ten, nine, eight, ten. So you don't really. I was close to him, but you don't really form the love that you do when you get older. So I didn't see Craig for six years when I was ten.
1: So is that the first time you saw him?
0: No, no, I saw him when he came out of prison. Uh, Mum, Sharon used to look after me and uh, Craig with Mum used to go out with her friends or anything like that. So when Craig started getting old, I used to take him out in the pram. So when I was stealing, I was using Craig as the scapegoat, putting <laughs> things in the pram. Or standing outside the betting shop begging for money or dressing him up as a Guy Fawkes. That was good. <laughs> you know, trying to scramble money like Guy Fawkes. Like, which you do. You couldn't afford the mask and the, the proper Guy Fawkes gear, so you used your kid probably <laughs> then I broke into Greenstead School one day. And went to to the canteen, a uh, tuck shop. Uh, I took Craig with me, and hid him behind the bins while I broke into the school. And we got caught. <laughs>
1: so then you got separated for how long?
0: I went away for six years, and Craig went away for a year. I think he got expelled.
1: And how did it feel to see him again?
0: I didn't. When I was when I. When I was at boarding school, I, uh, we, I used to be taken into a, a room, uh, given a couple of drinks by the headmaster, and enough was enough. So I stabbed him in the arm with uh, one of those things you open envelopes with. I stabbed him. I ran away, went to the police station and told them, still having the evidence on me, the police didn't believe me because he was a highly record man. In the community, so it was swept under, and I was done for theft, assault. I had, I took 12 twelve-inch records. One was ABBA, and one was Fleetwood Mac that I was the mine, and he done me theft of them and assault, and I went to Portland, Bristol.
1: Portland, Bristol. How old were you at that point? I was
0: getting on seventeen.
1: And where was Craig domiciled at that point?
0: Craig was back home with mother at Beanbridge, Essex.
1: And had he shown any um, behaviour where he was getting into trouble with the police yet?
0: No. 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 He, I, when I went home for the first time, I knocked on my mum's front door. She had a bungalow. And she wasn't there. So I went round. Someone said she round a lady called Sue's house. No, Rita's house, sorry. So I went round Rita's house. And Rita came to the door She said, look, Brian, your mum don't want to know you remind me of it, your reminder of your dad so i left uh, went back to dorchester i uh, got in trouble again and went to prison again then i come back and started making money and then lorraine said cool we'll have brian back home he's making money we can have some of that so that's when i met craig and he got a job as a trainee apprentice tire fitter
1: were there any other siblings
0: yes yeah, so i have a lovely sister that made a fantastic career for herself and another brother as his own business. So they went the right way, we went the wrong way.
1: So Craig then, he, he had a normal job at this point of the story. You've been in trouble, but now you're getting a normal job. What happens next?
0: What to me or to Craig? Both. Uh, Both. I got a job through probation service. An old lady used to have a Labrador dog at basins. She got me a job and a flat. I was working in London, tunnelling. For a company I met a chap called Mark Murray. Lovely bloke, quite stocky. Craig, see, I was earning good money and nice clothes. So he asked me to get him a job. I got him a job there. And on the third week, we took him to a rave in London. And that's how he got into these.
1: Can you remember what year that was? Oh, cool, I'm going back. 84,
0: 85. That'd have been.
1: Wow. And and that was it. That just changed everything. That rave,
0: yeah, it changed. It changed everyone's life. You and me. When I first had a a pill, call it a pill, where you call it, I call it.
1: Yeah, that's like, good.
0: Is that right, Bill? Yeah, it was fantastic. You know the mood you're in. You, you couldn't be miserable. And Craig, Craig, see that, and then my, he asked Mark for a, for a pill, and I said to Mark, give him half. Don't give him a full one. his first time. But Mark being Mark, I thought it would be comical, give him a full one. And you could see him, It was like, he was going to the bar normally, but in his own mind, it was taking him 10 days to get there. That's, that's, the, that's how he felt inside his head. He was dancing like he'd never seen someone dance before. And he loved it. So he'd give up his, well, he had a word with Mark and Mark said, I can get you as many as you want, if it's okay with your brother. And I thought, well, yeah, okay, start off with ten, twenty, thirty at a the time. So there you go. But it didn't it worked out hundreds, and he got to thousands, and he got to greed.
1: All right, let's go over this more slowly then. So in the beginning, he's getting small amounts of pills, and he's seeing if this works. I imagine if he can, yeah. if he can turn them over.
0: It was a trial. So he'd buy ten, twenty. Seven eight pound a go and sell them in those days 15 20 pound a go depends where you went and who was bad needing them so yeah there was good money to be made and he found out he could make money more that way than he was doing a hard day's craft
1: and was it quite innocent back then he wasn't at risk of getting robbed or beat up or the cops grabbing him
0: no I think in those days it's a bit more laid back with the police than that with me I I when they knew that people were taking, having a pill and going to a rave, there was, there was no police call out quick, you know, there's trouble here, there's big fight. So that in some officers' eyes, it was a relaxing, calm thing to do. And some officers want to be heroes. But the people that did get caught, a friend of mine got caught with five pills. And he got nearly six years for that as a dealer. One of the first ever sentenced for it. So it had its risks. Big risks. But if you'd only carrying small pills, you could see sooner I had them. You with know me? Mean? They didn't have dog detectors for smelling what they wore and everything. So there was loads of ways round things.
1: So was Craig in the early period of this just working on his own? He didn't have a business partner.
0: No, he had no business partner at all. He's worked on his own. Well, he worked with Mark. Mark got him. Mark made his few quid. Mark got him from his, his chap. I don't know who he was at that stage, but Mark get what he wanted.
1: So, they, he, he was sourcing them from one supply? Yes. And how did he grow the business?
0: Uh, through raves, really. Sometimes, if you had a big bulk of them, we'd go to the rave a day before, and we'd hide them somewhere in a field or wherever it was near, a barn, something. so he wasn't carrying that day. And then you go into the club. So security were happy that you won't get anything. You come out because I've got your hand stamped, or you had a wristband. You go back out. And you go back. You've already been searched. They're not going to search you again, are they? So that's how it started. And he started on his own, giving the pills out, making hundred, two hundred, thousand, two thousand, three thousand a night. You get competition from other people, but if they were bigger than you, you didn't go nowhere near them.
1: Was he a tough character from a young age?
0: No, he was a skinny little runt from a young age. <laughs> what what turned him into a bit of an angry person was when he was at boarding school, he was picked on by two two brothers, quite bad, because he was only a skinny lad, and he stabbed one of them with a, a compass. I think mean, it was a compass or a fork. I can't remember the name, the leg. He got his spell for it. Then he went to a basketball school, and he joined, like, he had gangs in those days to fight other schools. It was a common thing, wasn't it? So and then that's how he learned to look after himself. And then I took him to West Ham matches, and he got even better at it. He could take a punch. He could give a punch. So he had confidence in himself.
1: And what had caused that first situation where he, he, the two of them were bullying him?
0: I I, don't know. I wasn't that school when it happened, so I can't say. You and did he do things.
1: any, like, did he he do any boxing or weightlifting or anything
0: he took up weightlifting when he started getting rid of the pills quite good He, he hit the steroid game and he got really really bulky late 80s early 90s he was quite a big lad he wasn't scared of anyone no one at all
1: so it sounds like his business was running quite smoothly then in the early phase what were the first obstacles he had to overcome
0: other dealers that was one of the main things uh nightclubs he had to get the nightclubs and the only way he could get the nightclubs was meeting one of the blokes that run the nightclubs and that was Tony explain to the
1: explain to the viewers who Tony is and what his role is
0: Tony Tucker was uh run a security firm a doorman through nightclubs. He had nightclubs all in Essex and some in London. He was a ex-army lad, very, very big, good boxer, and he used to escort and secure Nigel Benn to fights. And he was blown away in the land Rose seat next to Craig.
1: So how did Craig manage to form a relationship with him?
0: Right. So he went to Rackles one day, Craig with me and he wanted to do in there, but there was a already a person with pills, which we know is on Mark. So there was no chance, but the, Rachel's in those days was a, a lovely club, always busy, and the rave game in there was quite good. So he knew you could make money. So he was told by a bar lady behind the bar that the person who had all these clubs was a bloke called Tony Tucker. And that's how he had to go. So he searched everywhere and he found out where Tony used to train in the gym. Joined the gym. I mean, about six or eight months introduced himself and they become like brothers.
1: And what did you think about that when you noticed their closeness?
0: I did never say anything. That's the truth of it. You're forgotten about.
1: Thanks for watching. Our podcast is with my sponsor. It's AG1 by Athletic Greens. So Jen, as a pregnant woman taking AG1 in the morning, how's that helped you? Well, with the low energy I've been having due to being pregnant, AG1 has helped give me that morning boost that I've really craved. Bear in mind, if you are pregnant, consult a doctor before taking AG1. Jen and I get AG1 delivered every month, which makes it super easy to have as a daily habit. With the single serving travel packs, I never have to miss a day. Just mixing the powder into the water Drinking it first thing every morning before breakfast. thats simple. If you're looking for an easy way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash Sean.
0: Check it out.
1: That's the word from our sponsor. Thanks for watching. Link in the description box below this video for AG1.
0: So I was, when I was induced to Mark Murray, I was induced, uh, I met a lad called Conrad Chaplin, an ex arm robber. Conrad had some banker's drafts that he was getting rid of. So I made some inquiries, how to work them, how to use them, what to do with them. And I brought the whole lot, 20 banker's drafts off him. I asked Craig, Craig financed it with Tony's help. I had 10 and Craig had 10. So the idea was I buy the vehicles on the banker's drafts, I sell them to them for silly money, eight grand, five grand, two grand, whatever the car was, they sell them on for more. So if I had a banker's draft and I come to your house and you had, for instance, a BMW, a year old, say 40 grand of a car, and I had a little test drive had a little chat and I said to you can I pay by bank draft in those days yes you didn't want cash people didn't want to carry cash so I go home I had a thing called a ball typewriter and it's tiny little balls don't do them now it's like in there they do it through printing machines through machines to have these little balls so I type out the the names on the check the amount and had two signatures a cashier and a manager so a friend of mine would sign cashier and I'd sign manager. Yeah. So I'd come to you the next day and give you the cheque. You give me the car. The cheque cashed. You got your money. The bank lost. How does the bank explain to its shareholders, we've just lost 40 bankers drafts. Yeah. Brian Rolfe's got 20 of them. So your money was honoured. You it me?
1: Wow. Wow.
0: No, there was no complaint by the banks. It was just the police and me committing the crimes with the cars
1: wow so what other schemes was Tucker involved in
0: uh they set up a clamping business clamping clamping cars in romford it was quite good at first but then it it wasn't making much so they see a car on the side of the road they clamped it they waited in the van so the bloke turned up we didn't pay they clumped him so they they got the money in the end that's how how bad they got but tony tony kept pushing craig to get more and more and more and more pills And they did, and they disputed them all through the clubs. I think they had about 15 runners for them. So they were doing well for themselves.
1: So was he sourcing them directly from Holland at that point?
0: Well, I don't know about that. They asked me to get them a camper van. This is one of the first things I brought. Now, I've been done for everything, so I can can tell this. Now, I looked for about a week and a half for a camper van, and I found one through also Trader. And it was in Manchester. So I made contact with the couple, went to Manchester, got the train there. Like again, Bankless Draft, got their lovely couple, massive house, I can't remember on the street, it's, it's in me book. Took me round it, had a chat, had a look, had a little drive of it, brought it, drove out of that big, huge house down the driveway. Hmm. It was 60, I think it was 50 or 60 grand bank uh, camper van. Took it to them. They took it abroad to get gear, but they... Got a young couple to drive it, and when they come back through the country, they got caught. He went to uh, Canterbury and she went to Holloway, so they lost everything. Yeah, then that was their first ever run. What
1: was the fallout from that?
0: Someone grasped them, they think. Someone set them up. So the next time, I got a phone call from my brother. Will you lend Terry? car now i used to have a p100 an xr2i the p100 was, was company car and i had an old metro which i just run about use for things he shouldn't be using for so i lent terry the metro i didn't ask any questions he didn't tell me anything he dropped off and he took the metro about three hours later i got a phone call from craig effing and blinding down the phone and me what the fuck have you said Terry got Paul going through Dartford by Essex Drug Squad. Arrested. They come round my house about four hours later. Me expecting to be arrested because Terry would have turned and said it wasn't mine. It'd probably, been my, it wasn't It'd probably be mine, my car. They come round. They asked for the, the documents of the car. I showed them. They told me more or less what happened. And they left me. I couldn't understand why I arrested. They walked and left me. So that gives suspicion from my brother. Straight away. So the next time was going back. I had to have an operation on my wrist for uh, something that went on a while ago. I, I can't say about that in a minute. I went to hospital. I was in hospital when I met a doorman, ex doorman, big lad, having some fat removed off his arms. Uh, Bernard, see him, and Tony come down to see me with Craig. And Tony Tony knew him, so when they left, the bloke actually said your name's Brian and I said, yeah. Said, you can get cars, can't you? I said, I can, mate. He said, well, I'm after a Merc. Well, I had no interest, I didn't like the bloke. I said, uh, I'll let you know, mate, I'll let you know. Well, Craig come and see me a day later after I do internal stitches in my wrists. I told him, he said, yeah, do it, 10K. So the story cut short, we met the lad in Romford. I found out the Romford car dealers and made an arrangement to buy a Merc for him. Uh, I went to the garage. I met him outside, he gave me 10 grand in cash, and I showed him the banker's draft. Craig took me to the garage, so Craig sat in the car across the road. But when the car was got, i give him the car, we walked away with 10 grand, 10 grand made nice and easy. When I was in the garage, talking to the salesman, looking at the car, two men walking, walked up to us, chucked me on the bonnet, handcuffed me. Two officers, um, not in uniform, Take me outside, take the 10 grand and the bankers draft. Took me outside to a car. I think it was a a Mondeo, Something I can't remember now what sort of car it was. When I got outside, the doorman came running over because he thought we was ripping him off. Didn't know it was police. When he came around, he said, what's going on? So the policeman showed his badge and said, do you know this chap? No, I don't know him. No, no, sorry, wrong person. Walked. I was stuck in the, in the unmarked car. An officer in the back officer in the front. The officer I know now is Gary Duckrawl. He's head of regional crime squad now. He's gone quite up the ladder. He was Essex Drug Squad. So they took me towards Basin and I thought, here we go, Basin Police Station. I'm nicked. Craig was following behind in the car. But they didn't go Basin Police Station. They went to my flat, took me out of the car, un me, gave me £8,000 of the £10,000 give me the banker's draft back and said, see you later. And he was sitting across the road watching my brother. So my brother thought I was the grass.
1: But
0: how, I knew he...
1: Sorry. how did you find out he thought you was the grass? Did he confront you?
0: No, no, he didn't. This is next story. He see what happened, he drove off. And I knew deep in my head and my heart, that he must be thinking something. So I kept away for a couple of days. I didn't bother phoning him because I couldn't bother any sort of conflict with him and Tony. So he phoned me one day. Must have been late afternoon. I was on I was on a uh not a license, I had to sign the police station every day, pending this inquiry of this camper van. So he phoned me, Can you come round? I've got a job for you. I need you to help us. So I went round to his house. I was going to be a driver that night, apparently. for We're going to rip some dealers off. So I went round, got let in by Donna. Donna disappeared in the kitchen. I went into the front room. Craig was there and Terry was there. They took our phones off us, locked the door, shut the front door. We was playing cards. The idea was we are waiting for a phone call from someone to get the go-ahead to do this, uh, where we were supposed to be. It was getting a bit late, about 10 o'clock. And Craig said, do you want a bit of white keep you awake? So I said, yeah, I'll have some. Yeah, no problem at all. So I had some in a bit of a glass of a with ribena, Shaking up third. It? And after took it about 10 minutes, I felt strange. Felt like my jaw was, how can you put it, was dropping. I felt right strange. I couldn't move as such. And I looked at the coach, what, "What? what's happening here? And he turned around with all his might and punched me straight in the face. I remember, all I remember is falling back of the chair. That was it. The next thing I remember, I was laying in my mum's bungalow in the spare room, laying on the floor. I could not move. I could not move an arm, a leg. I was paralyzed. All I could see was Craig, my mum, and her boyfriend Paul standing there laughing at me, laying on the floor. I had tears in my eyes. I was scared. I thought I was going to die. The room was snowing me like it was snow coming down. And Mum said to Craig, will you be all right? And Craig said, don't fucking worry, it'll be all right. I walked out of the room. And I was like that for nearly three days. And Paul used to come in to me on the second, third day and try and help me walk around the house, try and get me moving. And then I got arrested because I broke the curfew and I put him in prison. But That's the day he tried to find out if I was the grass
1: before that day had you contemplated discussing it with him
0: no the reason why you couldn't discuss anything with him i could go there and be black and blue and turn around and say look i'm your brother i'm telling the truth i'm not a grass even though i wasn't and it was proved i wasn't he wouldn't believe me because he see it with his own eyes what person gets arrested or so-called arrested and then dropped off outside their house No police station after he's committed a crime. He knew something was going on, but he didn't know who the officers was. So after that, I how can you put it? After that happened, I come out of Brixton prison. He sold my car. He uh, set me P one hundred on fire. Mum rented me flat out for a bit, claimed a few I was only there for a few months, claimed a bit of rent. But I still loved him was still my brother and I had to prove to him that I wasn't the police informer which I I, I did so he said to me I want a car I want a BMW so I said I'll get you a BMW he said no mistakes no errors on a BMW that was it So then I found a BMW it was in Southend on sea I went down to Southend drove down met a lovely old man he must have been early 60s, he had a BMW for South, it was about 7k then, I can't remember if he said it was it was his uh, son's or grandson's car he was selling, or his own I can't remember, It's going back some years now so, I told him about the banker's draft and I'll be back tomorrow, it was over the moon, yeah, no problem at all so the following day, I told Craig I got my BMW he wanted he was happy, I went to South NC from by train got a taxi to the bloke's house Knocked on the door, the old boy opened the door. When I walked in, on the table was a log book, uh, some paperwork, I think it was invoice of receipt and that, and some keys. So he told me to sit down, he said, I'll make you a cup of tea. So I sat down, I didn't want to be rude and rush and gone and polite. And this bloke walked in, and he said, Oh, I'm sure he said to me, this is my grandson. So he come in for a cup of tea, sat down, sat in the room with us. I said, Oh, here. I can't. I think his name was Tony. I can't remember though. It's in my book. Sorry, I'm a bit there. So I passed the banker's draft over to him. As soon as I passed that banker's draft, that so-called grandson pulled a warrant out. he was a police officer. Wow. I was marched outside the house, and I walked outside the house. There was two police cars and about six police officers. I think they think I was some sort of gangster of Essex. So I was arrested. I was taken to South End Police Station. Put in the, uh, put in the cell. The sergeant come and see me and said you won't be getting bailed because there's so many cars outstanding on these bankless drafts. No problem at all. It probably do me a favour to go away for a bit, things to calm down outside. So it must have been about ten o'clock. We used to have a police officer in Essex called Jack Bowler, C.I.D. He was a lovely man. He was the most fairest. Okay, what anyone says about police, the most fairest cop a going. If you got nicked for something, and it was petty he do everything he can to let you get off of it. If it was serious, it was in his book. Well, he he, he, he come down. He said, Brian, can I go into a room and have a chat? So it was him and the south end, some officer that unlocked the cell to be down. Went into a room. The officer that unlocked the cell something sat in the room. Next minute, two blokes walk in. Jack said, I'd like to meet these two men. When they walked in, I've seen him before, Jack. They arrested me a while ago in Romford. And they, oh, so they sat down. And this Gary Duckrell, leading officer, said, I can make everything go away for you, Brian. All your charges, everything. New life. Give you that new life you want. If you've had a bad upbringing, we know about you. Give you a new life. Yeah, well, we'll pop round tonight and we'll have a chat. So they left. I said, I said to Jack, I'm not getting Bell. Did you're getting bell, mate. Watch. So I did. I got Bell. Jack Bowler was outside. He waited for me. He give me a lift back to Basden. That's straight. And he said to me, these two men are kosher. They will look after you. Give you a new life. So I got home. And a couple of hours later, they come round. Knocked to me door. I let them in. There was two of them. I can't remember that one's name. I will try and get it. They sat down. They had a... A brand bag, with them, and they said to me, took out the bag. And it was a clean bag, and in the clean bag was capsules, three thousand. In those days, I think we used to call them dennis, the menace on rhubarb and custard. I can't remember now. So he passed them to me. He said, "Look, I want you to put these in your brother's car." I said, "You serious?" He said, "Yeah." So I opened the bag and took one out. They showed sure me. They started laughing at me. What are you laughing for? They're empty, Brian. There's no gear in them, mate. Not that stupid. They're empty. Put them in your brother's car, and we'll take care of the rest. So I'm going to be straight with you. I thought about it. I thought I'm out there being accused of the grass. Yeah. Everything. Why can't I go and start a new life, eh? Let him go and do some time in prison. Let him learn what it's like to be bullied, pushed around. But I didn't. I chucked him in the bin. So I didn't plant those capsules, Gary, and you know I didn't. So at the end of the day, it was proven that I wasn't the grass because I didn't plant the capsule. But when I look back at it, I wished I did plant them because he could have got 10, 15 years in prison in those days for that amount of pills, and he'd still be alive, same as Tony, and same as Pat. They would never met, probably, would they? Well,
1: um, I'm just gonna go back over what you said something uh, much earlier then. So when those two cops took you back to your place and Craig was following you and watching you, was that an intentional strategy by the cops to turn brother against brother?
0: Yes, that, he bit the button on the nail. Yes, he was. It was to... They knew what they were doing. They knew if they... He was watching. So if they got him watching, they knew the only way they could get him was by getting me. Because if you put it, if Tony and Craig knew that I was being set up as the grass. My life was in danger. So my option would be, put the drugs in their car, I get a new life, The police get a result. Happy as done. But you ever been in that supermarket where you see a little kid screaming because he can't have that sweet or toy? <laughs> That's what they were like. They were so desperate to nail them, and I wouldn't help them.
1: Were there ever any consequences of them doing that, or are they always protected when they do things like that?
0: Well, he's gone from Essex Drug Squad to top of the regional crime squad. So, the officer, I think the officer that you interviewed on here, is, is he the one that's uh, trying to prove the homes and still were innocent?
1: Uh, yeah, he was going down that road. Yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah. well, that's the one who knows the full story about what the officers are like. Wow. Now, I've come on here the second time and I've said this. I've had no one knock at my door saying, is this true? Because it... There's more to this than meets the eye. In my opinion, I think deep, deep down they're involved in it one day. Because I was working... When I... When I got a good idea and I can't tell you about this. I don't want to put too much in me, but I do apologise. When I got a good idea I was told to... Disappear for a bit by crate. So I went to Spain for a bit. Then I got a job in Barren Furnace and I was working in Barren Furnace. And one morning I got a phone call from my mother Have you seen the news? No. Your brother's dead. But I, she was mostly wrecked, upset, when she was just trying to explain to me. So I left site and I went to see the news and I see it and I just broke down. You know what I mean? Like, you would do it. It's like taking a you No know, matter how your relationship is between the pair of you, he's still the one you love. So that ripped me. So I went back to work the next day. I was offered time off, but I didn't take time off. I got an in, uh, a visit from two police officers, one called Jack Bowler and one called Gary Duckwell. They arrested me. They took me from Barry Inferno to Basildon. But what they did is they stopped on the way a place called Alfreton in Derbyshire. So I was put in the cells that night, and they stayed in the hotel the next journey because it was a long day for me. So they took me to Bowserden. They asked me questions about the murder. I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to say I do. So they let me go. And as I come out of the police station, Jack Bowler's words were to me. Sorry, Brian, it had to be done. That was his words to him. And then outside, I met Channel Four, and I've done a bit of a channel Four interview
1: that is it. that is that yeah. is that channel four footage available
0: if you go on is it dispatches where dispatches interview, interview Bernard and you'll see him a bit about me with Mark Murray and that lot yeah that's that
1: going back then Brian, so we've got you know he he he's come out of his youth he's got into the the pill business. He's clicked up with Tucker. How does Pat come into the picture? Pat Tate, is it?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I wasn't around when Pat come into the t- into the picture. I knew Pat from years ago when he, he he was the car dealer, the lovely bloke. But from that, I don't know, so I can't answer that question. I'm sorry.
1: All right. And watching Craig's mindset change. Then you said he got onto steroids. He's taking pills. Is he doing white, green, other substances? Is are, the, are these substances affecting his personality?
0: Well, the main thing was white. Paranoid was his main thing. Anger. Uh, greed. Untouchable. That's what they thought they were. They didn't care who you were, family member, girlfriend, wife, anything. You got in their way, you were put out of the way. So yeah, greed.
1: Have you got any stories of the how that anger and greed manifested?
0: Right, I'll give you one story. We went to the our local pub used to be called the Powerhouse Pub. Now Craig had a good friend, a lad called Dave Stratton. Always been friends for years. Now Dave Stratton is that sort of lad that likes his drink, gets a bit loud. So you never told him too much in life lived with his mum his mum and dad split up. He so lived with his mum, lovely lady, just round the corner from us uh, in Beanbridge. Well, Stratton got on Craig's nerves, keep wanting and scrounging, because Craig used to pay for him Morris everywhere he went. He would saw the the never work, a scrounger. Well, Stratton and a black called Gary Pitchley, which we all knew, he used to be a fantastic dancer on top of the pops. They went and robbed an old man of his life savings. Tied him up in a chair and left him for three days in this chair until his daughter found him. He sat in his own shit. You with me? No water, nothing. They stole the seven grand and Stratton was in the pub bragging about it, what he'd done. But Craig didn't know this, you see. So one day when I went, to poly- two days later when I went to the pub with Mark Randall, the police were there. And as we walked in the pub, the landlord used to be called Rick. They are arresting a bloke called Gary Pitchley. They took him out. So when we are in the pub, we asked uh, Rick what was going on. And he explained to us what they'd done. And the police were after Dave Stratton and Gary Pitchley, what they did. So uh, we went round to my brother's house to see him, to let him know what was going on. And who was in the house? Dave Stratton. So when we got in, Craig was sitting there with like called Kevin Whitaker and someone else. And I said to Craig, do you know what he's done? Craig said, what are you on about? So I explained to Craig. Stratton stood by the window crying his eyes out, saying it wasn't him. It was Gary Pitchley. He was just out at the wrong time. He couldn't leave the house because the police were going to arrest him. Well, Craig had his daughter and that in the house and his wife as calm as anything because he didn't know the full story. And he thought of the world of Dave Stratton asked him to leave the house. So he left the house. Craig done his bit of business. He had to do with uh, Whittaker, pass some gear to go and sell and the other lads. Then later on, we popped round to Dave Stratton's mum's house. She wasn't in. Craig wanted to go around and see if the story was true. I stood outside. Craig went in. He knew the story was true because Stratton offered him some of the money. So he battered him at the top of the stairs and slung him down the stairs head first. Walked out the police and he got seven years each he did for it wow so, that's what I'm trying to explain Jay. he grew up with Stratton they were mates and he could be an hypocrite to turn around and say well, you just robbed an old man what I do I'm no better than you because he did what he did to so an old man that was couldn't look after himself he destroyed Stratton and stuck him in prison for seven years and when Stratton went to prison I think he went to Lay Hill, he made some friends with uh, some black lads on a wing, someone told Craig. So Craig sent a message in what he did. the Stratton just told him that he'd done a robbery. And he spent the rest of his conviction in solitary. He was being to help. So that's the other side of Craig here.
1: Do you think the substances eroded his conscience?
0: Yes. End of the day, he despised me. That's how bad it got. His own brother despised me. He hated me.
1: How did that make you feel?
0: Worthless. But I wouldn't give up. I would not give up on him. I would try everything i do to help him. I couldn't. When someone's making ten, fifteen thousand 15,000 pounds plus a week, you can't tell them they're going the wrong way. So you have to be a bit careful what you say, but try and put it in a way that just ease back a bit. You've made enough. But N- enough What's enough to them. You know what I mean? Even when young Lira Betts died, you thought it would have calmed down then, but it meant nothing to them. But I don't think young Lira was the pills from then, to be honest with you.
1: So there's like an older brother, younger brother dynamic, usually where the younger brother looks up to the older brother and the older brother's looking out for the younger brother. Was that just flipped upside down at
0: some point? That was flipped up there when he met Tony. Tony was his older brother. Tony was his father. The father figure that he never had. So, yeah. He, he was very close to his other brother. Our other brother, Craig, was. Because he was a bit... He was a very quiet, lovable kid. So, he's the sort of person you could go run into and tell you probably won't give an opinion. Where I'll give an opinion, whether they liked it or not. So, Tony was his... Uh, He's probably he never had the person that he could trust. So if they didn't all got shot in the Range Rover, for instance, two did and Tony survived, Tony would spend his last days trying to find who did it. If Craig survived, Craig would spend his last days trying to find it. He wouldn't think I'd walk away from this. He'd have revenge. That's the way the world.
1: So on the way up then, in this business relationship, who were they making enemies with?
0: uh there was a few dealers they robbed off which i don't know the names of uh people say canning tan i don't know i didn't get involved in that side of it it was too scary and too dangerous for me for one and plus the two they didn't trust me so i'm not too sure how far it went and who they upset
1: when you say there was people that they robbed off was this like just Foot soldiers coming into clubs, getting the stuff taken off them, or did they hit safe houses?
0: We we hit a house in London. Uh, I went with Craig, Mark Murray, Tony and Terry, and Conrad went. Uh, two stolen cars I didn't know about. I was the driver. Tony parked down the road. Uh, we parked three houses down A Quite a big house it was. Craig and uh, Mark Randall got out of the car. Took a bag out of the boot, balaclava, went to the house, seen I was sitting there for hours. It wasn't, they come run up the road with a bag, uh, jumps in the car, more or less told me to effing drive off. Two men come running out. I could hear a shotgun off. Tony behind was driving. He hit the two men in that car. We got back to Landon, uh, disposed of the cars through Kevin Whitaker. He got rid of them. I think one was a Mazda, a uh, Mazda yeah one was i can't remember one was on that well. they went back to craig's house and they had untold coke money pills on the table or white powder we got a thousand pounds each for it three of us and they kept the rest so yeah they upset someone big
1: do you think that big person had a role in what happened
0: yeah there is revenge for it, which is in my book. I'm not going to give it away. So, yeah, there is a big, massive revenge in a nightclub. Uh, on Craig's face, you'll find out. It's the scar he's got. There was big revenge for it. It come on top.
1: What What was the role of uh, soccer hooligans in this?
0: My battery's running out, I do apologise. Uh, soccer hooligans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really get involved in that. We 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 went to football matches. We went to the local pub. We got in a few fights. We didn't get involved with the, the big boys. No.
1: Was it the Turkish mafia was portrayed in the in the movie? Were they was was some foreign mafia involved in this?
0: I don't believe a word of it. <laughs> I've never met a Turkish mafia, and I know two of the big main dealers that they got gear off that's in the book again. I can't say the name they are big so I, I know nothing about or heard anything about Turkish dealers and be honest with you you start messing with those sort of people you're messing with a country you're not just messing with two men or four men or six men so I think that's all one big fancy dream
1: were there any other enemies who were realistic that could have had the motive
0: yeah please that's the truth alright let,
1: let's explore that then because when I interviewed the ex cop I said to him, do you think that the police were involved? Because, you know, all over the world, it's fast money, isn't it, for the cops to get involved in that kind of a business? Because, you know, they, they arrest some people, but they allow other people to be peddling the product so they can get their cut. Do you think that something like that was going on?
0: Yeah, I do, yeah. Well, work it out. Where did they get 3,000 capsules from? Not something you can buy off the shelf, is it? So mm-hmm. they come from somewhere they know and was given to me. Whether they're empty or not, you still can't go and buy them off the shop shelf. So, yeah, my opinion is that apparently there was a fourth man that met them at the pub. Now, that fourth man could have been an officer that had a gun against their heads and drove into it. Now, I met my brother when I, I was in baron Furnace work before. the the actual deaths. I went to back the basin to see my brother, Craig, and I went to my mum's... Here is a word from today's sponsor, Aura.
1: If you Google someone, you can find out all kinds of personal information about them. This information is accessible because of data brokers who profit by selling your information to robocallers, telemarketers, spammers. You can use my link, https. dot, dot, forward slash, forward slash, aura.com. Aura is A-U-R-A. Forward slash Sean Atwood, S H A U N A T T, Wood, to try two weeks for free and see how many data brokers are sharing your info. Also linked in my description box on this YouTube version or scan the QR code on the screen. Aura also monitors your emails and passwords to see if they were involved in a data breach and exposed on the dark web and gives you the recommendations on what to do. Aura has almost every internet safety tool you'll ever need all inside one app.
0: Hello, he was there. He he was still a bit angry with me. He was pacing about as though he was on something. Uh, We had a cuddle. He explains to me that it wasn't me that was the informer. It was Mark Randall that was the informer, end of the day. Uh, The lad was found hanged, Mark Randall. That's in the book. Well, Craig, we had a chat. Mum... It was open, no would be no fire, there wasn't. I wouldn't have won anyway. So we went outside. He got in the Range Rover. I got in my XR2i, which I had. I got out and opened the door of the Range Rover, past the door, and I said, look, I am sorry for what's gone off. He said, look, don't worry about it. Do me a favour. Make friends with your brother. That's my other brother. He opened the glove compartment, and in the glove compartment was a, a, a gun and on the passenger's floor next to see it was a brown bag. He opened the bag, chucked the gun in there, and in the bag I could see at least a kilo of white. But even better than this, I think it was a week before this, he was pulled over by Essex police, right? With my mum in the vehicle, disqualified, give my name, as Brian Rolfe saying he, that's who he was, police officers see CR on his arm they radioed it through they was told to let him go he went round his house to have a word of him he was at the window tend to piss off they radioed through for backup was, they were told to let him go and that's the night he got shot so there's a lot of answers and I wish Ooh. someone I, uh, would make some inquiries do I think Holmes and still did it at first yeah I did deep down I thought good rotting L use a lot but when you start seeing things I mean I've been on i have been on this media for about listening to this and that five months that's all I've seen the films and some of the films are comical I, mean, I don't know if they're true you know I, mean? I don't think they are I think it's just someone's got a good imagination and got a good story and it, it draws people and I think they're good uh but deep down, in my heart, I think they're innocent. And I think the police have got a big say in this, but I think this goes to the top, right to the top. Do I think Nipper's dad did it? No. Do I think Nipper's convinced? Probably, yeah. If they, if that's true, they did right his house and threatened him, threatened him and his sister, and I was a dad, I'd want revenge, but I know I couldn't get revenge, and his dad was very ill, and maybe his dad thought... Look, I'll go and tell my son that I've done it to try and make him feel better about himself. That I actually done something rather than being a coward and didn't do anything. I'm not saying his dad was a coward, but you're up against three nutters. No matter how big you are, you take one out, you've got two to take out more. So it's not one you're fighting, you're fighting three. So if he believes his dad did it and it makes him feel better and happier, good on him. Really good, I mean, but deep down, I think the police were involved.
1: Brian, how accessible were guns to Craig and Tucker?
0: Easy, very easy. I went to Strange Ways Prison uh, some years ago. I went to get a vehicle, and I got caught, so I, I spent a few—about two, three, four months—up there in, in Strange Ways. And I met a bloke called Delroy Showers. Have you heard of him?
1: We have interviewed Michael Showers.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, I knew Delroy. He was, in for, he was in for murder. Lovely, lovely black man, bodybuilder. Now, he told me he used to drive a pink Rolls Royce. I don't know if it's true or not. But he yeah. he was the one that uh, got the youngsters to kick off in uh, the church and cause the riots. You and me? Delroy, we'd all be locked up at night, and Delroy had to walk the landing. That's... <laughs> Know it was respect from the officers or the fact they were scared of him, he was quite high up in Liverpool. So, I believe, well, I could get anything off him I wanted it. So, yeah, I could get guns, anything you wanted. I'm not saying they come from him, he might have known someone who could get them, but yeah, I could get things. But he was a lovely, lovely man. So, you
1: knew the cops were corrupt because of the way they treated you and divided you from your brother. In the beginning, then, you thought the explanation for the murders was the true one. What were the warning signs for you after that the cops could have been involved? What were the first indicators?
0: Uh, well, I started to come on site, started to join these groups, and then I started to read stories. Then I got in contact with the police officers on here that's investigating. Here. We got on quite well. We... we, we talk to each other, he knows things I know, and I know things he know through, through life. So he's convinced me it's not them. So I'm. people are saying it could be Canning Town or the, the Blundels. I don't know them and I don't know Canning Town lot. But what my experience, what I've been through and what the tantrums I've seen from the officers, I believe deep down in my heart, they're involved some way I'm not saying they did it they might know someone who did but they're deep down
1: you said he convinced you what do you mean by that
0: well he convinced me that Holmes are still innocent yeah with with all the things he keeps finding out with the phones the areas I know Nichols I know Nichols a bit of a fairy teller and he will shit on anyone you with me I know that for a fact now Darren apparently got pulled for some gear the deal was we used Darren as the grass Darren cut the story Now he's apparently he's saying that it wasn't true i i can only read what comes on here but in my uh, in my heart deep down i still believe it's down to that when craig when i met craig i knew he had a gun on him Pat had a gun on him but the day they were killed there was no guns found they still had money see it wasn't a robbery was it it was assassination to get rid of them that so wasn't someone's was going to rob them because they had money they had coke in the car so how I, do you I,
1: sus- How do you suspect they were enticed to go to that location?
0: Well, my opinion, they met a fourth person. The story is, that's the story goes. I was told. Maybe the fourth person was an officer. They came out of the pub. Someone's waiting, officer, and the officer took them to there. Maybe they were due to meet Holmes and Steele, and someone told them that. Maybe Holmes and Steele went there and found them dead, and done a runner through scaredness. From and that's where Nichols come up with a story. I don't know. I wished I did.
1: So, is the theory then that they were earning for the cops or had cops on the payroll, but then they'd become a liability and that would give cops a motive to get rid of them?
0: I don't know if they had cops on the payroll. I've got no idea about that. Uh, Jack Bowler's very close close to us, so I don't know. Uh no, I don't, I think the reason to get rid of them was the fact is they were getting out of control. You know, you couldn't nail them. I mean, the young girl that passed away, her dad was a police officer. I don't think he did it. It might have come that sort of way, you know, from the other police. But they were getting too greedy, pushing people about hurting people. You know, making this... Uh, I, don't, I, I, I haven't got the answer. I wish they'd have the answer. But you have, you have an opinion and, and, and something deep in your heart tells you that's the truth. And that's what I believe.
1: So just to clarify and make things a bit clearer for some of the viewers then, you mentioned the young girl you mentioned Leah Betts had died. And this was a situation, it was a very high profile case, wasn't it? Where a young woman took a pill and she died. And then there was a lot of, would you say, heat uh, and 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 pressure to to uh, like make arrests and and do stuff about that from the government.
0: Yeah, I think there was when when it was the, the young young dad was a police officer. I think yeah, they had to start solving something, solving something out. But they they were paranoid. It was their pill, and I don't think it was because the lad, her two friends, brought the pills. But what I don't get, and I'm going to be blunt with you now. One of the paramedics or hospital turned around and said, or the police, we need one of those pills to see what she's taken. And some person got a pill straight away. And where would he get a pill from? That's what my question I'd be asking myself. The police should be asking that. But no, they don't. So, uh, I think, yeah, going back, it starts from that. That's where it starts from.
1: So do you think the blame was put on it being the pills to portray them as boogeymen to get the heat off others?
0: Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Give them a bad name, bad reputation, and then other people start, let's get rid of them, let's step in. What can we do? How can we help?
1: And the two guys, I mean, how many arrests did they make of suspects in the beginning, do you know?
0: No, I know, uh, one, two... I know six apparently. When I was there, there was number two in in the police cell, and there's some, up, some more some other stations. I don't know a lot of them, so I'm not gonna. I can't say anything. Like, is it one's called Jessup? Apparently he made a statement. I don't know. And do you know
1: the basis for reeling those guys in?
0: Uh one was because he can get guns. Uh one because he knows Pit and can in Town quite well. And two of them, because they know Tony very well.
1: And at that point of the story, you were convinced that they possibly had the right guys?
0: At first, yeah. Yeah, I was convinced. I was over the moon. But I, I wasn't allowed to go to the funeral. I got a phone call from my mother saying, if I turn up the funeral, I'd go the same way as my brother. So I didn't go to the funeral. I went down a week later to his grave. I didn't go to the trial either. That
1: was that was my next question. Were you following yeah. the trial then, even if you couldn't go?
0: I was following the trial, yeah, but I I couldn't go to it.
1: And when they got convicted, how did you feel?
0: Over the moon, over the moon. I got. If I remember right, now, I think I drank a whole bottle of brandy that night, drowning me sorrows, wishing him all the best up there. Saying sorry that I, I didn't do what I should have done was put the pills in his car. Yeah, I feel guilty. I feel guilty, bad. Yeah, some days I sit and I cry because I could have saved his life, but I didn't. Did the two guys who got convicted did they have alibis? Uh, I got no idea. i only listened to read what's in the stories. I don't know. I didn't go to. I didn't. I didn't go to the trial I read what's in the paper. What my mum told me about the trial. That's it, Lorraine, the mother, Lorraine.
1: So when that was announced then that they'd been convicted, was that it, case closed as far as the public were concerned?
0: I think at first it was, yeah, and then stories hit. Then uh, a doorman come out with all these stories that he was a, a partner in crime, and he, that's how he started off. Now, when I first come on here, that doorman got in contact me, me, wished me all the best, long time, no see, Brian, 20-odd, nearly 30 years ago. I'll help you do a book, he said. And I told him no. And I've got it all on my phone. And I said to him, why are you lying? And turned around and saying he was a partner. And he sent me a message back, turned around and saying, I've never said I was a partner in crime. And that's on my phone. So there's a lot of lies out there. And I wish, listen, they want to make money and people want to buy their books and films, good luck to them. I hope they really enjoy it. But my book is about my brother's life. And hope that out there, some of these young kids are going to read this are running around dealing pills for these big boys and think, no, I'm not going to go that way. So if I save one kid, I've done my duty.
1: That's a great mission, Brian. What's your book called?
0: The Lost Essex Boy.
1: And what are the other lies that you correct in that book?
0: The other what? Lies. lies
1: that you correct, yeah.
0: In what way do you mean that?
1: So there's a lot of lies been told about Craig over the years
0: yeah sorry yeah yeah what Uh, what
1: are the main ones that you want to correct
0: uh craig was the brains behind everything okay everyone says he was the clever one tony was the muscle uh about the bit where he went to tony's party and pushed the door into someone and said well you're a doorman and this person wanted a friend and then the other person in the club that said i took him towards i was gonna knock him out one for tony it's lies now I've come on here and I'm asking Colin and the rest of them, look, good luck to you, tell your story, come clean, don't make up stories that you got phone calls that night and you should have been there and that lot, because I know deep down you wouldn't have got that phone call. They didn't trust anyone, mate, and I mean trust anyone. They've just come out, tell the truth, make a living out of it. I'm not bothered, but don't keep dragging my brother down, because if he was here now, they would be saying it to his face. One person there, a so-called doorman, just turned around and said that he was threatened by them. they come around and assaulted him. It's no good giving all the hard stuff when they are gone. You and me? You didn't do it to their face. No good doing it behind their back.
1: What was your mother thinking about all of this, Brian? I mean, she's had some ups and downs throughout her life.
0: She's caused everything she's caused. All the ups and downs has been through her, not us. We haven't been angels. God, far from angels. We've hurt people. We've robbed people. And we 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 robbed a restaurant once. We broke into a restaurant, and it was a restaurant they used to cook beef, for other shops. And we found all these joints of beef. <laughs> One night we went back four times nicking these joints of beef, and our mother was selling them around the social club. So don't <laughs> come at me about mother.
1: <laughs> what about up. your sister? What about your sister then? She's, she's um
0: kept a note, well, never, never had a parking ticket had a massive career in the pub game now she's retired and i wish her all the best
1: and are you all right now in your life because you've had a hell of a lot of ups and downs
0: you do get your off days when you, you sit there and think what you've been through i do get a lot of things playing my mind from the uh boarding school days but i've got a, a most different wife that stands by me now when i had done this book i was going to do this she was Two minds not to do it. She, no, I don't. And then she thought, no, it might make you feel better and get closure by doing it. And that's why I've done it.
1: Did the boarding school teacher, did he ever face the consequences of, of his actions?
0: Yes, in the end, yeah.
1: Good to hear it. Why did you start a YouTube channel?
0: Uh, I was told to start one by someone. He said, if I do a YouTube, I put a few videos and then people get to know Because a lot of people think, well, your name's Richardson, not Rolf. Now, I'll tell you why I changed Richardson. before my battery runs out. Going back nearly 20 years ago, we're sitting indoors, and I got a knock on the front door about 9 o'clock. I opened it up. There was a lady there from Cos- Cospolitan magazine. She offered me £10,000 to do a story on my brother. I went, I went indoors, told Debbie, and Debbie said no. I said to the lady, no. So Debbie said, look, I don't need this. My family don't need it. Can we change our name by default? So we changed to Richardson, and that's how it was. And it's all done by solicitor. It's, uh, my marriage till he's still in the upstairs the neighbour of Rolf. So there's, there's, there's no lies to it. You with me? That's why we changed it.
1: What do you hope to achieve with your YouTube channel?
0: Uh, I want to get stories over that people can listen about Craig. The real side of Craig. You know, the good parts are not going to wrong. The bad parts. You know, there is some right evil parts in the book that he's done. You know... I'll tell you this one more thing. I went round one day to drop some money off that I owed him. Uh, He had three dealers in his house. One of the dealers had taken some money out of the pot that he's supposed to return for some, some bills. Craig wasn't happy. So what he'd done, he took the young dealer into the kitchen, got a bread knife and cut the top of his little finger off to prove the rest. If you rob me, that's what happened. Wow. A different side to him than they wanted to be. But as a brother, he didn't have think I was the grass and, and the informer, we'd have probably got on still, Will. Tony kept out of the way. And he wasn't so paranoid with the pills and the money. I don't know. But we had a great life up until he was about 18, 19, and he changed.
1: And now that you've come out on social media saying these things, are people supporting you?
0: I've got a lot of support. I've got 198,000 subscribers already. I've had no one question my thing. No one saying I'm a liar. I haven't accused me of anything or having to go at me. I'm not having to go at All I've had to say was, you uh, wouldn't help me do the book. And I said, no. And then he got angry and I fronted him about the partner. And he turned around and said, uh, good luck with your petty book. It's not about the, the book or making money. It's about putting the truth out. And the only way I can do it was to write a book and I think if the book goes out and it does well or don't do well I want to look after in some way his daughter Georgie so yeah that's why I've done it
1: so what we'll do then is we will include if you're watching this wherever you are in the world we're going to put the link for Brian's YouTube channel in the description box below this video please go down and subscribe to him And he's probably going to be doing more content, I imagine. And we'll also put the link for Brian's book down there in the description box below this video because there's obviously a hell of a lot more stories and a lot more detail in the book. Brian, is there anything I've left out that you'd like to say in conclusion to the people watching
0: this? No, no, right. I just say thank you for you for interviewing me. And everything I'm telling you is the truth. And the book will reveal a lot more
1: well we salute you for your honesty and you know there's no obviously no hidden agenda um, in what you're doing and it's good that you are setting the record straight on all the myths and the lies that have circulated this case and i i thought from day one that um you know when i've started researching this that the cops are way more involved than is being let on and it looks that like you've reached that conclusion as well
0: yeah i mean it's been hard doing this and it's been hard writing the book. The book's taken me months to write, you with me, because you're saying things about someone, no matter what, you still love them. No matter what they accuse you, what they do to you, you still love them. So to me to sit down and write that book, sometimes I've sat in there and broke my eye out. But I deep down, I've got to do it. I've got to stop these people making him out to be the biggest idiot going. When end of the day, those two wouldn't say nothing to him. And it proves in the book, you'll find out one of them cops it. All
1: right, well, we appreciate your time, Brian. And you know, have a great rest of your day and thank you for joining us. Cheers.
0: Have a nice weekend. Thanks a lot for everything. Cheers.
1: Thank you. Thank you. you.